feel like I've been sniffling a lot this week. It might I be. Noticed. I It might be. Well, uh, we we might hear it when we play back. Yeah. <laughs> when we get playback, but maybe it's because this is the last week of season one. Yeah, and uh, I'm sad. Fran and I have been talking, and that is the last uh, last episode of season one today. We decided to turn this into a. A two-hour celebration. <laughs> we're going to review every single plant we've covered. Over. No, not really. We're going to keep this on a. Uh, the last two have been really like nice and concise, and yes. uh, I like it. So I, I just keep that up. I just want to say we mentioned this on a previous episode. I think in between season one and season two, we should have an episode like a, a season two primer mm-hmm. where you get a quiz on the plants from one one fact from each plant that we did so yeah. 32 questions you want to see how little i know about plants that's a great yeah. way to do it that's, that's... all right ask me five questions all right is this a tree shrub uh graminoid or forb it is an herbaceous graminoid of the poaceae family okay which includes columagrostis deschampsia and mulembergii um yeah so and i'm you said it was from the poaceae family which yeah. For for those who don't know what that is, it's going to mean it's a grass. Yes. Um, it's yeah. not going to be a sedge or a rush. It's going to be a grass. So I'm not going to ask that question. All right. Because you already gave it to me. I did. And um, Columagrostis, Deschampsia, Muhlenbergiae. Yep. Muhlenbergiae are all grasses. Yeah. So uh, how tall is this grass? It can get anywhere from one to six foot tall. One to six foot tall. That's a big range for yes. grass. Okay. Um, let's see here. Does it have a showy flower or seed head? Uh, let's see here. The flowers are yellowish green, turning brown by winter. The flower and seed only appear on one side of the stalk. Okay. I have something in mind, but I'm not sure if that's what it is. Uh, okay. That's three questions. Okay. And what's its wetland indicator status? It is an obligate. Uh, oh, okay. There goes my one guess. Um, That's four. And let's see here. Um, what haven't I guessed already? I'm trying to think what I had well, on. So far, you ha- you know that it's an obligate, herbaceous graminoid, uh, which is a grass that gets one to six foot tall with flowers that are yellowish green turning brown by winter that only appear with the seed on one side of the stalk. I guess I'll... Say, what's its native range? Its native range is along the coast from Maine to Florida, around to Texas. Okay. I I think I know what it is. All right. I'm going to go with uh, probably our favorite plant, and that's Spartina altiniflora, um, which is smooth, smooth cord grass. Smart. So Tom's guess is Spartina alterniflora, or which is now appropriately called Sporobolus alterniflorus uh, and known as smooth cordgrass. Good guess. That was really good. When you said obligate, that's like, oh, not what I was thinking. (laughs) But then, uh, yeah, I I figured it out. You're listening to A Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran. Welcome to the last episode of season one of A Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran. I am Fran. And I'm Tom. And today's plant is Spartina alterniflora or Sporobolus alterniflorus, which is smooth cordgrass, one of our – probably our most popular plant at the nursery for what we oh, do. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. It's, it's, but it's mainly <clears throat> mainly used, you see, in restorations, and, and the main reason for that is this plant only grows 
in the low tidal uh, marsh situations where it's wet and dry twice a day. Yeah, and that's what Fran mentioned. It's it's native ranges from Maine, actually really into Canada, uh, along the coast, all the way down uh, around, the Florida. around Florida and then down like the, across the Gulf of Mexico coast in the, Louisiana, Mississippi, those kind of states. Texas. And then Texas. Get, yeah. So I, I assume it might even go all the way down into Mexico, yeah, but I'm not I, sure. I'm not sure, you know, and, and it's one of the things when you said it's from one to six foot and you're like mm-hmm. that's a range because there is a tall form and a short form yep. and and the tall form tends to grow more at the outermost edge um of the marsh and the short form kind of gl- uh grows on the landward side yep so yep. um we do see that in 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 natural tidal situations um and knowing the the one thing i wanted to point out too we talked about its native range the Army Corps of Engineers actually introduced this on the West Coast, and it actually ended up being invasive. It mm-hmm. wasn't native yeah. there, and it started to outcompete their native mm-hmm. uh, bay grasses, mm-hmm. and and it's created quite a problem in California. And you mentioned the bay, so this has a salinity tolerance, right? It does actually. It has a pretty wide salinity to- uh, tolerance, so um, it can handle anywhere from no parts per thousand to thirty-five parts per thousand. So thirty-five parts per thousand is seawater. Mm-hmm. Um, it can take a zero salinity, mm-hmm. like it could take fresh water, but it gets out-competed because yeah. it's not its favorite. And it actually can survive in the high marsh, but then it gets out-competed by the high marsh plants, mm-hmm. which are typically uh, Spartina patens, which is uh, salt salt meadow uh, hay, salt yeah. hay, or uh, Distichlis spicata, which is spike grass. Mm-hmm. So, now, is this a plant that like? If I if I was walking up to uh, this plant, what would I see? What would it look like? Uh, so it's it's like stiff erect stems. They're hollow and hairless. Um, the leaves are eight to twenty inches long and are offish, purplish at the base. Um, and it is it grows in round clumps. Um, and and part of that height is the flower stalk too, mm-hmm. uh, and it does like like I mentioned it it blooms on one side and all the seed is on one side of the stalk. And if you're unfamiliar, it, the the bloom does it's it's summer to fall. That's when we do our our seed collection is is late mm-hmm. summer early fall. And if if you've never encountered the seed as it's drying, it it's it stinks. Oh, it smells really bad. It it, it, <laughs> it doesn't it, just stink. It's it, like it's almost putrid. Yeah, it rivals ginkgo. Yeah, ginkgo is those two could have a uh, an odor competition. Yeah. Now, is it going to grow in like a shady area? I guess that really those areas aren't. There's no trees typically, so it's not usually shady. What kind of light condition does it like? No, it's it's full sun. It's intolerant of shade. Mm-hmm. Uh, you only really ever see it in full sun. So if it's shady, it's not going to it's not going to survive. And you know, it, but if if you put it in full sun, it's yeah. long lived. Is it something that's going to like live for a long time? Do, does it spread through roots? Like does it get these big mats or anything like that? So, it's uh it does have uh rhizo- rhizodial rhizomal rhizomal roots uh so when you when you break them off, it does result in vegetative asexual growth. So, okay. but it's not as it is not as aggressive as like this can be out competed if it's not in the right yeah. conditions can be out competed by invasive phragmites. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um and we see that all the time. So even though it does spread by rhizomes and 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 do that, it's still not as aggressive yeah. as as other species. Yeah. Now what kind of wildlife value does this have? It's I wouldn't think it doesn't have like a fruit or a flower, it's but 
it is in a an interesting area. Does it have wildlife value? Of course, uh, waterfowl, shorebirds, and songbirds all eat the seeds. We've even experienced uh, during like scouting for seed collection, grasshoppers like large populations of grasshoppers eating seed. Um, so we know that happens. Geese and muskrats uh, eat the rhizomes. Deer will actually, if if they encounter it, will eat the entire plant. We've seen geese. We know of a project in Maryland where overnight geese plucked out over 20,000 freshly planted plugs and mm-hmm. ate the roots. Yeah. So um, the roots are an important food source for snow geese. Um, and unlike a lot of the other things, it's pollinated by wind, but it's also pollinated by water. That, Given where it's at, it makes yeah. sense, yeah. Yeah. And um, how about like – like insects. Do insects use this plant too? They they do. Uh, caterpillars of the iron skipper uh, have only been found on this species to date. So if you want iron skipper and you have a tidal, <laughs> a tidal marsh, that's that's what you want to have. It's the larval host and the nectar source of Automaris louisiana, which is the Louisiana eyed silk moth. Okay. Um, so we've talked about like wildlife – and we've talked about insects. It's important to, to talk about, too, what it means in that tidal ecosystem mm-hmm. because it has a lot of other functions, too. It's it's noted for accumulating sediment, enabling other habitat engineering species such as mussels to settle. So if you want mussels, this is an important species uh, to have. Um, and also large patches provide food, nesting sites, and shelters uh, above and below the soil for fiddler crabs. Yeah, cool. And uh, you mentioned the Phragmites and how it's an invasive plant. Yeah. I would think this is a, a good substitute for that in it, those kind of conditions, right? It, it is, you, but you have to completely – like this is strictly used in salt marsh and brackish tidal restorations. And most of the time they're removing Phragmites and restoring it to its original natural mm-hmm. ecosystem. So this is one of the few things that can – it's not going to outcompete it. If there's Phragmites, Phragmites will eventually overtake it, mm-hmm. but they have to completely wipe that out. Yeah. To, to restore that. All right. You ready for a quiz? Yes, I'm ready. We've been good. The last one for season one. I better do well with this plant too. Ooh. All right. Let's see. It's They're all true or false. Okay. Three true or false. There is a clothing and handbag company named Spartina 449 named after the grasses off the South Carolina coast. This is true because I've looked them up before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't throw. No, it's actually Spartina 450. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. The world's largest invasion of Spartina alterniflora occurred in China in 1979, mm-hmm. and they brought North American plants over on purpose for erosion control. I can believe that. I'm going to go with that's true as well. That is true. That is true. It's a big problem on, on our West Coast and in China. Yep. Uh, and Spartina – Alterniflora has been known to hybridize with other species to create hybrids. Mm, I'm going to say false with that. No, that's true. Oh, really? That's oh, true. interesting. Yeah. So we kept this one nice, short, and sweet. And this is a plant that we love. We could oh, have yeah. easily, yeah. easily talked forever, but we're not going to. Friend, would you plant it in your yard? No, I don't have a title, title situation in my yard. How yeah. about you? Uh, funny you should ask. I'm actually building a saltwater moat around my house. <laughs> it's kind of like a moat slash lazy river. No, I, I wouldn't plant it in. <laughs> I was just choked on my coffee. I wouldn't plant it in my yard. But if I 
lived down along, uh, like in our area, the Barnegat Bay or or a, like a tidal waterway. Yeah. yeah, definitely. If I had that kind of, this is this is the plant, the plant in that scenario. So yeah, we we've actually get a fair amount of calls from the uh, DEP, mm-hmm. uh, yep. where homeowners buy houses along the Jersey Shore or or in New York, and they've removed it because it it hurt their visibility of the water, and then it mm-hmm. created a major problem with their house <laughs> and they've had to repair it. So something you probably want to keep. It's a natural ecosystem that's yeah. protecting you from, Definitely. from storms and floods. So. Yep. Yep. So, well, this has been a lot of fun. What it a has way been. to wrap up uh, our season number one and uh, we'll be doing this again soon. Yeah. So we'll, we'll hit you in a, in a couple weeks or a couple months with Tom's quiz. We'll come back with that. And then season two is going to start back up in the summer. We're looking forward to it. It'll be revamped and all tightened up and, and we'll be ready to go and, And we're looking forward to it. So until then, keep it native. Thank you for listening to A Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran. Hey, everyone. This is Fran. And Tom. And we just wanted to give you a quick reminder to tune in every Friday to our other podcast, Native Plants Healthy Planet. Yeah, so on Native Plants Healthy Planet, we dive into all different kinds of subjects revolving around native plants and our ecology and having a healthy planet. We have guests from uh, from colleges, from other podcasts, from different nonprofits we work with, even authors. It's a really good time. We hope you join us over there. Make sure you tune in, and until then, keep it native.